Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Betty, Girl Band the Podcast. This podcast is supported by Tomboy X, designing underwear and swimwear to fit your body and how you see yourself. Use code BETTY for 15% off at tomboyx.com. Also supported by the Apartment Lounge in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Go on over for a drink and tell them Betty sent you. And now, on to Betty, Girl Band. Hi everybody, it's Elizabeth. It's Allie. And it's Amy. And this is the last episode of season one of our podcast. And guess Betty. what? It's Q&A with Betty. Woohoo! <laughs> you sent questions and an ambulance and we're going to answer them. Yeah, and thanks for everybody writing in uh, to our Instagram, Instagram which is Betty Rules. Uh, so we've gotten some really great questions, great questions, and yes. some real stinkers. So we're going to try. Oh, I to think there are no bad questions. Just <laughs> bad people. Just bad people. Yeah. Pass, that's all. Here all is right. a, the first question that came in from Jeanette, and it is: I saw you at V Day. When did you first work with Eve Ensler? Ah, uh, Eve. Shall we explain what V Day is? Sure, V Day. <laughs> <laughs> Eve Ensler is the amazing author who wrote and The played. Vagina Monologues and The Vagina Monologues in like probably 1990 something or other and it was it was groundbreaking people mm-hmm. hadn't ever used the word vagina and I remember all of a sudden all, like it was on Time Magazine or Newsweek and people were shocked that the, the word vagina was even being used and from that point on it's mm-hmm. been used in popular culture as it should be because it's just a human body part mm-hmm. and one that should be revered if you ask me anyway so she Super started feminist She's a rad feminist. She's a fantastically uh, forward-thinking woman who only wants to make the world better for other women. Mm -hmm. And the Vagina Monologues not only is a book, but it started an entire movement. And V-Day performances have blossomed and grown all around the globe, giving a forum and giving uh, information and funds to different communities and women, and it's been a real honor and a privilege to be involved. Yeah. And we were involved in the very, very first one. She had a bunch of well-known people performing these different monologues at the Hammers- Hammerstein Ballroom. No, the first one was at... Ma- was no, it was at Hammerstein Ballroom. Hammerstein oh, yeah. Ballroom, and it was completely sold out. It mm-hmm. raised something like $198,000, and it was mm-hmm. a fantastic cast of people mm-hmm. whom, uh, who, were feminists, re- who, who were reading the the monologues right yes but feminists who we have been lucky enough to work with fortunate mm-hmm. enough to work with again since then people like Kathy and Jimmy and Marissa Tomei and Brooke Glenn Shields Close. and just amazing people mm-hmm. and we were once again by the kid act if you think about it remember <laughs> we were we were what we did was we did did a song so it wasn't yes. the vagina monologues we sang it we girl. played it girl correct and um angela babin was our guitar player yeah, that was, day because and, we wanted it to be all women mm-hmm. and i think alison miller played drums with us
it was, it was great. It was an incredible great. experience. Nice. And the second time that we played, uh, it, for it, it grew from there for for V Day. It went to Madison Square Garden, correct? Mm-hmm. And with Oprah, Oprah was there. Oh, that's and right. Queen Latifah. And, and we sang "Broken" a cappella, and we started in three different places in the stage. And that was so nerve wracking that I remember actually opening up my eyes and I didn't see anything in front of them mm. <laughs> and I said where is the stage remember Allison and she said just walk just walk just exactly. walk it was and so fun though Joan Osborne was there that night and she was so wonderful and supportive and Eve was so great and gave like this thing at the very beginning and of course she was crying because Eve Eve Ensler cries more than anybody I've ever met because she, she feels she really feels she's feels. a feeler and Eve I remember feels. when she said anybody who's been sexually assaulted or abused stand up and at Madison Square Garden almost every woman in that audience stood up yeah, it and it was terrifying. sobering sobering and awful and beautiful that we could all share that experience together and i've been happy and proud to be a part of of v-day and one billion rising since it started this is eve ensler and i'm here to just send my deepest love appreciation and solidarity with betty i have known betty since our very first v-day in 1998 and they have stood with us for over 21 years to build a movement to end violence against women and girls around the world. They are the fiercest, most loving, most talented, most devoted, most outrageous women. And I just want to say that I honor their devotion. I honor their tireless care and commitment to all things that empower and move women forward. And I just want to share my deepest gratitude and love for everything they are and have done and been in this world. Hats off to Eve, and we love her. Our next question is a great one. From June in D.C., what was the best present you ever got from a fan? Wow. That's a good one. Oh, I know. Go well, ahead. Well, um, does Monique count as a fan? Because she made that incredible neon oh, that we yes. got. That neon with the martini glass, and it said Betty on it, right? No, she didn't, I, no make she didn't she make it. it. She broke it. That was yeah. the difference. Oh, she broke. Who made it for us? Oh, I loved Monique. That was a, a good, good present. Right. That was one of the best presents. I remember I got a the fan- stained glass one. Stained glass was a good one. And I got a really great present that I actually shared with everybody. When we went back to D.C. for a big show, we went to Nora's restaurant and the maitre d', I guess, or the manager of the restaurant kind of gave me a wink and a nod and said, do you remember me? Kind of, I threw it out there. I said, did we ever sleep together? And he said, yes, we did. Anyway, he obviously was good for... What uh, was the present name? The present Please, was... Oh, my God. Doesn't anybody remember? It was <laughs> No, almost, no one remembers. Okay, free champagne and about a million different kind of appetizers. I got to tell you, of all the, the, present fan, the fans we get from presents, my favorite is always being either taken out to dinner or getting mm-hmm. cocktails. Food and cocktails are the number one thing for me. It's a way to our heart, for sure. It's for our stomach. Sure. So, I absolutely. Love that. So it's, keep that in mind, you know, everybody. We, we've gotten some good presents from a lot of different people over the years. Yeah, and I love when people make things like mugs and cups with our names or, mm-hmm, or uh, mm-hmm. incredible, just the, just the, the artisans that have helped us out by people, giving us wonderful yeah. things. I think the takeaway... Pitnick uh, made us those, uh, through pottery, made piggy banks mm-hmm. that say the Betty effect on it, which yeah, is that's really cool. Beautiful. The takeaway from this question is that all presents are greatly appreciated, loved, treasured, and worshipped. Thanks for all the presents during the years. Is it bigger than a basket? A tisket, a tasket, a tisket, a tasket. Is it harder than a rock? A tick, a tock, a tick tock, tick tock. I won't. I won't. My present, present. Give it. 
Give to it me. Give it to me. I need my prezzy prezzy. prezzy. What will, will it be? Next question. Uh, the next question is one of my favorites. Who's that British lady at the beginning of the show? Nikki is almost, in a way, the sixth Betty, wouldn't you say? Yeah. She's definitely one she's of them. She's been there for a long time, and she's a true, steadfast, incredible friend. Once a relationship, and then for always and forever a best friend. Mm-hmm. And I can count on Nikki. I think we can all count on Nikki, but I know that if there's ever a crisis, and there has been a couple of them, Nikki has opened up her heart, her home, her wallet and her soul for all of us and for me in particular. I must have to say, Nikki Weavers might have the biggest heart I've ever known. Really and truly. When yeah, but she tries to hide she, it with she her tries gruffness. To hide it. Her gruffness. She tries to be all gruff and but hide it. But so, then when she's she, soft. I remember her like standing there shaking her head and I was like, what's going on, Nikki? And she was like, when the queen mum goes, it's all going to be over. <laughs> God bless her. You know what? Her. I was actually at her house when Princess Di was in that accident oh, and heavens. she was inconsolable. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. she's she's a good Brit, our, our Nikki. She really is she a good really Brit. She really is. And Cheers to you, Nikki. Thanks, Nikki, for all the years and for the years to come. I'm sending you away where the bad girls go To drink your lukewarm beer You shan't come back for quite some time So bugger off, my dear My dear, my dear Bugger off, my dear Your sighs and sobs won't save you Nor will your sexy cries Time for you to understand The consequence of lies Naughty, naughty, naughty (laughs) All right, ladies. From Franny Price in Philadelphia, when do you all plan on retiring? (laughs) (laughs) Not anytime soon, Franny. Not anytime soon. How do you retire from your life? Betty is our life, so therefore you can't retire from it. We call it the thing. It's more than a lifestyle. It really is our life, Allison. You're right. It's It's like um, the only way. You know, our last episode is riddled with sirens. Has anybody noticed that? Oh, interesting. And stopping right here, is there anything I should know? Maybe they don't want the season to be over. Oh, that's nice. Okay, here's a question that is confounding to me because I don't really remember this. Steve from LA asks, do you three remember sleeping with me in 1985? I can tell you, hand to God, I never slept with the two of you all and some guy named Steve. That never happened. No, he's not talking about Together. I remember that guy, Steve, because we have po- we have photos of it. Right, but it no, was I did not sleep with a, no. With it a th- wasn't the three of us together. This was a guy that we all had dated at one point or another, and we all had slept with him. And oh, the actor guy, exactly. Right. That's the one right. person. I didn't that sleep all... with him though. Yes, you did. Allison. Yes, you did. Allison. No, I didn't. Believe me, I've only slept with five people, and I know each what each one of them oh, was. Oh, me and it too. Wasn't him. I've only slept with five. <laughs> me too, as well. I look forward to sleeping with somebody for the first time. <laughs> no, but seriously. Maybe after this podcast, you're going to get lucky. I yeah. know well, that I, I never slept with him. However, <laughs> I did date. I did go out with him. And I think, Steve, is it possible that you actually are gay? Because... Nope. Well, actually, if he, if I slept with him, he probably was gay. And did you sleep with him for real, Zane? I did, but that doesn't necessarily okay. make somebody gay. The only reason I remember you, It makes Steve, somebody thankful. Not because you weren't memorable in bed, <laughs> but we have photos of that. When somebody's wearing a red shiny jumpsuit, I think I had a mullet at the time. The red shiny jumpsuit was mine. Red shiny jumpsuit? (laughs) That was mine. And I wore those. They were plasticky, shiny, and that was my look. It was 
it was from some party. But mm-hmm. yes, I do remember you, Steve, and oh, you were wonderful. <laughs> my baby has a mullet. Does she? Mm-hmm. She has wonderful. long hair. I love that she's got one. That's my baby has a mullet. I like what you call it, though. When you said it was short in front and long in the back, it's a schlong. That I really loved. All right, here's an international question from Stockholm. When is the next international concert you're playing? From Martius? Martius? Something like that? Well, we're going to be coming to the Diva London, Fest. I huh? guess, for the Diva Fest. Actually, That's it's nice. in Dorset. Yeah, we're playing October 12th at uh, the Diva Music Festival in Dorset, which is such a beautiful place in England. Yeah. And there's a great lineup of uh, artists that are playing that are female-led. So it should be a real... But men and women are invited to come, and Mm -hmm. it's going to be one great festival. We love festivals. Actually, the Diva Festival has changed its name to Hear Her festival now uh here's a question from salt lake city oh remember playing pride in salt lake that was a fun one it was great because the smaller cities everybody's there and the weirdos come out well can you imagine i mean considering that it's predominantly you know uh mormon there Mm -hmm. i can imagine that so conservative their question was weren't you all on npr weekend edition for several years with scott simon i think that's how i first heard you there's no name just salt lake city so thank you salt lake city you're right. Actually, Scott Simon gave us our first big break on National Public Radio. He covered our play, Betty Inside Out, that we did at DC Space. And then we, we've we been on there every year or so doing different... We were holiday commentators mm-hmm. for a while. Remember that? And then we did a, um, a couple skits. Yeah, he's been a great, great friend. And we're great fans of his. Oh, my uh, God. He's brilliant many, many years. and hilarious. And if you haven't listened to Scott Simon on Weekend Edition, you must. We love NPR and we're very... Very grateful for the support they've given us over the years. Uh, here's a question um, from Los Angeles. I'm a Betty fan and have, oh, you know, this is a good point to point this out. Capital B, small E-T-T-Y. That's actually not how you spell the name Betty. Betty's trademarked in all capitals. And we're, tra- we're trademarked like that for two particular reasons. One is to make it stand out from all the other Betty names, like Betty Buckley, Betty, there's so many other Bettys. But also because we wanted to make a feminist statement about the fact that a woman's name doesn't have to have a patronomal name nearby. It doesn't have to be a father or a husband's name. A woman's name can stand on its own and in all capitals, and that's why it's trademarked like that. So when you write us, just remember, it, it's all. Was like, that the question? Like ABBA or like MGMT or like KISS. It's all in capitals. No, that was just my aside. That's Very Allie. good, Allison. But anyways, here is the question. I am a Betty fan and have been for many years. Do you feel that other younger female groups are as politically minded? Of course. Definitely. Heck. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Otherwise, why do we do what we did? Yeah, but I mean, like, think about all the different groups that we've come up with, like the Riot Girls Mm -hmm. and what they were doing and what they were saying. Also, with people before, like, before that, Fanny and and people like that. I mean, historically, there's been been many, many feminists way ahead of us and and way behind us and way after us. And and at the same time, side by side. We bow our heads to the people that opened up some doors for us and we hope to keep on going and going and we just are so excited and jazzed about younger musicians that are doing amazing thing activist wise and music wise too here's another question that i absolutely love now this is someone who really knows our music and thank you for this what was the inspiration behind the songs houdini impossibly blue and wave from tj nyc well houdini that's you amy what was the inspiration houdini what what album was houdini on houdini is on limbo land right uh yeah limbo land 1995 if i can make the hold you have on me with time still on my myself together when you have 
Houdini is one of those songs that we really like to sing uh, live. What was the inspiration? The inspiration is a breakup. You know, it's uh, you're kind of, I was mourning the ending part of a relationship that, you know, was so magical in the beginning and you try to piece yourself back together in the end. Mm. That was the, that was the gist of it. Of course, it came out much more cleverly, but that was... It is a beautiful, beautiful lesbian love I love that song. song. It's a little high now, but it's a gorgeous song. Um, the song Impossibly Blue actually came to me when I was walking around in Wall Street for some reason. I don't know why I was down there, but down in Wall Street in New York City. And I heard a Jackson 5 song and it had the words, took a trip on a train. And for some reason, that stuck in my head. And I kept going around and around, took a trip on a t- train, took a trip on a train trip on a train and it kept on going around in my head and I started creating this short story in my brain and it was about a couple and they were having a a really hard time and they were trying very hard to make it work she was doing everything she could to make it work and it just couldn't the the guy was not making it happen and so she killed him and I thought "Ooh, that would make a fun song and that's where Impossibly Blue came from What was the inspiration behind the song Waves, asked TJNYC? The original inspiration for that song was a moment in my life when I was 18 and I was living in Israel and I was very, like, nuts, pretty sick, and I didn't know how to be gay. And it was like, I talked about this in, I think, episode one. And then I was in the water, in the Mediterranean water, and I was looking out at the waves. And I made a conscious decision. I said, well, I can walk into the water and never come back and make it all stop. Or I can leave the water, go up the mountain, call my parents and go home. And that is what that song is about, that moment. Mm. Wave goodbye.
A lot of times, like even though when you're performing with people and you don't really know the full stories behind songs, you just appreciate them for what they are and you read your own uh, meanings and understandings behind it. So here's a really good question from California. What was the biggest screw up in a show and how did you recover from it? From Karen. I love this question. Wow. There's, there's been so many. So many. So many. So I many. remember one time performing in New York. I, I went too far. You know, I like to engage with people. I like to talk to them. I actually went too far with a woman sitting in the front. And, and what happened? I just remember, I didn't insult her, but I maybe made a joke at her expense. And Did she burst into tears or something? What happened? No, but I felt bad because oh. I realized that I'd crossed like a barrier and I'd gone too far. Mm. So I tried to recover and I felt her turn against me for the rest of the show and Mm. and that made me upset oh god bless you I was thinking more of all the times when every single piece of equipment that we had broke down Mm. like when the electricity stopped and we had to go in front of the entire our entire setup and do an acapella remember in that tent we had to do the rest of the show acapella with no instrumentation and we got a standing ovation at the end of that and I thought that was really really cool I will remember remember we called it a leap that was a southern music festival right I don't remember exactly where it was but I remember just shoving all the equipment aside and saying okay luckily we can sing and just getting up there and doing acapella no harmonies with no microphones mm-hmm. and our spoken word and it was so fun i remember something else yeah that, that was, was cool i do I re- remember that yeah. i remember that doing was, you the need show. a bed partner show and wait 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 hold on what what was that elizabeth that was hello do you need a bed partner do you need what a bed partner mean? for the night after the show we're selling t-shirts per usual and there's a young dapper woman who comes up to the table and she's looks at me and says do you need a bed partner for the night what did you say well, I, Maggie was there, and she was my oh. girlfriend at the time, so I said, no, thank you. But I just remember it being so bold and so just like, go you know, for You it, don't girl. get it if you don't ask. Basically. You know, and that actually goes back to one of our previous questions about what are some of the gifts you've gotten from fans. So, <laughs> but wait, I have the definitive, that question that you just read. What was of, the biggest screw up in a show, and how did you recover from it? Right. Elizabeth, I'll never forget this. During our off-Broadway run, you know, we had set dialogue. It wasn't off the We're cuff. We're not there yet. Uh, it, does, it doesn't matter. That's next season. It doesn't matter. We can still talk about it's it. It's foreshadowing. Go yeah, ahead. it's what foreshadowing. <laughs> anyway, Elizabeth, who was pretty consistent in messing up a line, going up in a line and giving her own interpretation during um, the show. So Alice and I kind of had to be on guard. And one time Elizabeth looked at me after I asked her a question that was in the script and she had no idea what her answer was. I saw the blank look in her eyes and what she said to me was, you're gross. It wasn't her line. She just looked at me. Are you kidding? I don't remember remember that. She doesn't, she does, she didn't remember the the line that she was supposed to say was like, well, you've you've got to go back. You've got to get it. But instead I said, well, what are are you going to do? And she looked to me when she smiled she didn't remember she didn't have a clue as to what her line was and she said you're gross so what did you do how did you recover what, how do you think i recovered of course i saved the show i you know went into a whole monologue or something and like came back around to the dialogue no, you didn't you just said your line you didn't go into a monologue but one of the scripts that i remember <laughs> never is, forget one of the scripts i remember is we we're at the bottom line i was supposed to go up first anyway so i walk out on stage and i fall trip and fall onto my face and then i had to crawl to the microphone and get up and I was so nervous before that happened. And then afterward, I was like, well, the worst thing happened. So nothing bad can happen after this. So it was yeah. really fun. Which is really put everybody Also, I have to tell you, the worst fight we ever had, which to me is a squirrel, because it happened right before we went on stage. And it was in Atlanta. And it was the most horrifying fight we'd ever had because we could not recover. We were trying to be on stage. And remember walking down the stairs to go to that 
It was in Little Five Points. It was a theater. We hated each other on stage, and we'd never done that before. Oh. So we didn't recover from it. So we that's did, one where we, we did not didn't recover. recover. Yeah. Over the over these thirty five years, we have also learned that there are, are places you just you can't do. Yeah, you can't. You know, cross you can't, it. It's so easy for us to not have any boundaries between us because and among us because we are family after all this time. But we have learned through therapy too. Let's be honest that there are certain places that we cannot go. There are certain things we cannot say. There are certain things we can't do. What? do you want? I want to wipe this floor with you. Come get me, bitch. You think you're so bad, don't you? Well, I'm not easy to handle, girl. I just might be your worst nightmare. You have the nerve to come to my house and threaten me. You don't know the meaning of the word nightmare until you are tangled with me. Karen's question was a two-parter. What was the most surprising audience reaction? I have to say that there have definitely been times when we thought that people absolutely hated us hated not us. very long ago we Recently. did a show that where people we didn't think that people liked it at all and so we just sort of like we have a little symbol for ourselves like performing monkeys with symbols in our hands yeah. and we were just like oh let's just get through this we did the show afterwards people thought we were the Beatles I mean yeah. it was the most amazing they didn't clap they didn't really smile at the time they but stared. when we but they stared at us, and then we, when we talked to them one on one, they went nuts. Yeah. So that was, was a pretty really surprising bizarre. reaction. I didn't, really I didn't understand that at all. But you know, it's either. that's always, that's always great. Well, it's it's always great when they like you. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite would be kind of a drag. I think that's it for our questions, pals. I have. I, do, do you have any questions for any, each other? I do have a question. When are you guys going to retire? <laughs> Has having a baby recently, has it made you think about your life in music differently? Has it made you reassess what you're doing or have you not had time to think at all? I have not only not been able to think, but I haven't been able to breathe. I'm so tired that I don't even really know what my name is anymore. But I will get back to you. Elizabeth, over the years, you have taught yourself to be a technical person, a technician, because you've had to. Have you noticed that you are a better musician because you know more about the technical side? Hmm, Good question, Allison. Yes, I think it's made me a better overall producer and listener when it comes to music. I really, I'm able to listen and I'm able to detect what good sound is and what it isn't. And I think, I think that a lot of people feel that way. I'm, I'm glad and proud that I'm a woman that does this. And we always seek out women who are technical and technically adept and who are doing this so they can do more. Because we've been fortunate to play with someone like Sid, like Sid Curtis, who mm-hmm. we started with at the very beginning here like in New Jeanette. York. And now she's doing huge things in Texas. Mm-hmm. And Jeanette Buck? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Here's my question to you, Allison. Oh, good. You're a disciplined musician. True. You're also disciplined in your own life. True. And you have something that I'm very jealous of. I think Elizabeth Bodacious respects Tatas? as well. Yeah, besides that... <laughs> But you adhere to a plan and to a philosophy and to a practice called Chocolate Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we've been privy to this on the road and here and mm-hmm. for many, many years. Would you like to tell our listeners about that? You know what? This is a philosophy that I think could help many people. I believe I'm going to be starting a church of it very soon. So I'm glad that you here are the first <laughs> adherents. The Church of the Chocolate Sunday. I would like to be a nun in that because church. <laughs> I already am, honey. <laughs> well, see, it all started because ooh, I'm ooh, not ooh. one of those people who can say no once the chocolate starts flowing. Once the chocolate starts flowing, it is It's a gateway drug. I realized um, about, what, 12 years ago that the only way that I could have the amount of chocolate that I wanted, which was all of it that I could possibly cram into my maw, was to just do it one day a week. If I could, from Monday all the way through Saturday, be as disciplined as possible, then when Sunday came, all bets would be off. 
And that is my life. And I love it. And I think it's the most fun thing ever and the best diet I've ever I'm been on. I'm telling you, you need to write a book that's going to go to the top of the charts. The Church of the Chocolate Sunday. Church I'm of the serious Sunday because it's a bestseller. It's oh. almost like intermittent fasting. Well, we've Didn't, had questions from the outside. Wait, I have one more question for Allison. Why does she get two? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bigger. <laughs> is it different now being a woman of color in music than it was when you first started? and how I don't believe it's different at all being a woman of color in music now than it was at the beginning I think it's always been pretty much the same thing and it hasn't really changed for me I think being a woman in music is slightly different I think that there is a validity now that women in general have that that we didn't have before. I think we were thought of before in one particular way as an object, and we've become more of the subject. That's what I think is different. Well, we've had questions from the outside questions and from questions outside. from within. I think it would be safe to say that we're very proud and happy that we've gotten some great response, some wonderful sponsors for our first season. Great inspiration. It's been fun going down memory lane. It has been. It's been painful, too. It has been super painful, I have to say, re-listening to a lot of the stuff, but also so wonderful because, you know what? We've we've had a long-ass career. We've only just begun. <laughs> but you know what? We wouldn't have had this career if it weren't for the people who right now are listening, driving along, or mowing their lawns, or doing whatever you're doing. So thank you. Literally, we wouldn't be here now if it weren't for you. If you're thank a Betty you. fan, pass it on. Pass on the gospel of Betty, because thanks to you, that's how we've kept afloat and kept on chugging along. And remember, our Betty fans are called rulers. That's what you are. Betty rules, and you are our rulers. Thank you so much for making season one of Betty, colon, Girl Band, the podcast, really fun and fruitful and just a growing experience for all of us. And that's bye-bye from from Betty. podcast was recorded, engineered, and produced by Elizabeth Ziff in her studio in New York City, East Village. Traffic is a bonus. This is what Betty remembers, so accuracy is suspect. Music clips and other credits, all songs written and performed by Betty. It Girl from the album Betty Rules. Itchy Fingers from the album Snow Biz. Naughty Nadia from the album Betty Three. Houdini from the album Limboland, Impossibly Blue from the album Limboland, Wave from the album Betty Rules, Catfight Scene from NBC soap opera Generations 1990, Together from the album Betty 3. Aloha, I'm Linda Safri, a longtime friend of Betty, and from the Hawaiian Kingdom. And remember... Aloha Aku, Aloha Mai, to give and receive love. And that's a wrap for the first season of Betty Girl Band the Podcast. Cheers for listening, sharing, rating, and reviewing. 
And if you need a Betty fix until the next season, and for information on upcoming Betty gigs, go to hellobetty.com. It's really important to support independent artists. Don't forget that. And I'm Nikki Weavers, and it's been really fun. Take care. Bye. Ta-ra. Ciao. That's all, folks. <laughs>